Sermon through Matthew chapter 19. And uh, today we're going to look at our title of the sermon today, With God All Things Are Possible. Uh, that, that's the title of the sermon this morning. I think if you've ever read your Bible, if you've ever set foot in church, you've heard that phrase before. With God all things are possible. That, that's a great phrase. It's a great, it's a great verse we're going to look at today. And I think it's a great reminder for every single one of us that God can do all things. And there's one thing in particular that I want us to look at today that only God can do. This is one thing that only God can do. So I want us to stand together. I want to read these verses. And I want to preach to you again this morning. With God, all things are possible. But we're going to focus on one thing. With God, this one thing is possible. So I'm going to read these verses. I'm going to start in verse 16 to get the full context of the passage. And we'll read to verse 26 today. Our, our focus will be on verses 23 through 26. But starting there in verse 16 of Matthew 19, it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said unto him, Which? And Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man said unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack, lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here's our passage for the day. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And when his disciples heard that, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Well then, who can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. What a great saying. Yes. I read a commentary this week that said these words, it's like they came directly down from heaven. Words that every single one of us need to hear today, that with God, all things are possible. Amen. So let's pray and we'll study this passage. Father, we thank you for these words. I think this is something that we all need to hear if we've never heard it before. This is all something we need to be reminded of if we have heard it before. We need to know that with you, all things are possible. That when we look out at life, and especially on one thing, but when we look out at life, we say, that's impossible. We need to be reminded that we have a God that was with Him, with you, all things are possible. But especially on one thing. But it is impossible for us to save ourselves. But God with you, even that one thing, which I think is the hardest thing in the world, all things are possible. So teach us this great truth tonight. And even if our kids walk out of here with only one thing that they remember, may it be that with God all things are possible. Amen. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. I came across a motivational quote this week. You know those little posters that you go that you could uh, go through and, and you see them on people's walls. You see them even in, in locker rooms of, of a basketball court or a football uh, locker room. Uh, you have these motivational quotes that want to get you stirred up, that you can that you can do it, that you can get things done. And here's the one that I found. It was about an old actress named Audrey Hepburn, and she said this. She said, "Nothing is impossible when even in the word itself it says I'm possible." 
And that, that's, a, that's a quote that, that we hear all the time. Things like this, that, that self-help, it's self-motivation. It's just trying to, to fire us up, to get us motivated, that, that we can do anything that we set our minds to. We hear that all the time. We hear parents tell their kids that. You can, do, you can be anything that you want to be, and you can do anything that you want to do, and you'll just set your mind to it, and you'll work really, really, really hard at it. There's nothing you can't accomplish. Impossible is nothing, is, is what we hear. And I, I hear those things, and I, I read those motivational quotes, and you hear even Oprah Winfrey will say those things, and, and coaches will say those things, and you'll see those posters up everywhere. I look at those things, and I think, I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true that we can do and be anything that we set our minds to. I think we are incredibly limited on what we can do, to the point that I looked that up, that up this week, and I said, well, what's some things that we can't possibly do? And even if I set my mind to it, I couldn't do it. I'm going to give you a couple. Are you guys ready for this? Number one, it's impossible for us to tickle ourselves. You guys can try it real quick. It's impossible for us to lick our own elbow. You guys can try that. I want to see you try that. Somebody's going to try it. One of my kids is going to be over here licking and trying to lick their elbows. Number three, it's impossible to sneeze with your eyes open. And don't sneeze. I mean, we, we, we really don't need no sneezing going on right now. But those are three things that, that, that I looked up that says it's impossible for any of us to do. And Winston Churchill, one of my favorite men in history, said there's, he said there's only two things I can't do. Uh, humility wasn't one of them. But he said there's only two things I can't do. He said I can't climb a wall leaning toward me, and I can't kiss a girl leaning away from me. So that was two things Winston Churchill said we cannot do. We couldn't do those things. So it shows us just these little silly little things that we're limited. We're finite. We, there's a lot of things, a lot of things that we can't do. So when Audrey Hepburn says that if nothing is impossible at all, we can do anything we set our minds to, then we need to be reminded that, that there's all kinds of things that we can't do, all kinds of things that are impossible for us, but there's it's especially one thing that we can't do. If Winston Churchill had his two, and I found these three on, on Google, then what's the one thing that the Bible says that none of us can do? The one thing that we think we can do, that men have tried to do, that nobody's been able to do, one thing that none of us can do, is we can't save ourselves. Yeah. That's right. It is impossible. I want to I get that through to you today. Because men have, have, has for his, all history, thought that they can do this. And they tried, and they tried. They, they made it like God is, is at the top of a mountain, and all we've got to do is climb that mountain, and we set our minds to it, and if we work hard enough, and we're good enough, and we're moral enough, and we're religious enough, I can climb that mountain, and I can get myself to God. I can save myself. But the Bible says, and even Jesus says, in this past, this should be common knowledge to everybody in this room. We cannot save ourselves. It is impossible for us to save ourselves. And that's exactly what he's trying to get across in Matthew 19. This guy right here thought he could save himself. In Matthew 19, this rich, young ruler came to Jesus, and he looked at him in verse 16, and he said, What's one thing that I can do to have eternal life? Give me one thing that I can do. Give me one act. Give me one religious ceremony. Give me one thing to do that I can save myself. That's what he's asking Jesus here. Give me something. 
I, I think this guy's a rich, spoiled, snobby, never told no for anything his entire life, man. Look at Jesus and said, I want eternal life. Tell me what to do to get it. In verse 20, he said, I only lack one thing. Give me that one thing. And Jesus wasn't impressed at all with it. Jesus, this man found out real quick last week that there's nothing he could do to save himself. Nothing at all. He walked away asking Jesus for eternal life and walked away without it. And this guy teaches us a very valuable lesson. This man stands out in history as a valuable lesson to every single one of us that none of us can save ourselves. This man, who was the best man, I'll say that in the next point, the best man and the most blessed man who ever lived, couldn't save himself. So if he can't save himself, the one hope that any of us have in saving ourselves. And Jesus is going to teach this lesson. As, as, he, as, as the rich young ruler walks away, and, and Jesus turns around and looks at his disciples, and they don't get it. They don't understand. If this guy's gone in, then who's going to get in? Jesus is going to explain to them in these three verses how that guy could walk away. And I, I love this. What a valuable lesson that not even the best man can save himself. Not even the best can be saved apart from the grace of God. So let's look at that today. I want to show you that even the best man, it takes a miracle to save you. Even the best man must have all the grace of God for salvation. So let's look at this today, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a break today. I know I'm usually a three-point preacher, but today I'm going to be a two-point preacher. I only have two points for you. So I, I told Brandon this may be the shortest sermon I've ever preached. I, I, I don't know what to do with only two points. So I, I, I don't know if I'm off my game. I don't know if me turning 40 has, has really messed me up or something, but I, I couldn't get the third point. So I only got two points for you. I'm going to show you the impossibility of salvation, and I'm going to turn around and I'm going to show you the possibility of salvation. Only two points for you today. I see smiles on your face behind those masks. You're thinking, I'm going to get lunch early today. <laughs> you all know better than that, do you? Number one, let's look at it. The impossibility of salvation. He says there in verse 23, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, This rich man walked away. And it says in verse 22 that he walked away sad, gloomy with a cloud over his head. And Jesus looks at his disciples in verse 23. He looks at them. He intentionally looks at them. He says, let me explain to you what just happened. Because they're sitting there with their jaws dropped, watching this rich man walk away without what he came for. And they're sitting there thinking, what just happened? And Jesus is going to explain to them now exactly what happened. And he looks at him in verse 23 and he says, and I don't underline this, verily, I say unto you, this verily, I told you many times, it means very important. That Jesus has something very important to say to them. Anytime you see verily, it's very important. If you see verily, verily, then guess what? It's very, very important. Every word of the Bible is important, but Jesus stresses this, and he stresses it on purpose that this stands out more than anything else. I want to get your attention. I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. Don't walk away without knowing what I'm going to say. Verily, I say to you. He wants them to know this. He wants them to, to listen up. It's very important. He says, look what he says. It's rich man shall hardly enter into heaven. What he says there, it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven. Rich man walks away, and Jesus says, it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven. 
get that. He says, look at it, that a rich man shall hardly, and I, I use that word on purpose, it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven. It's hard. We, it's not easy for a rich man to get into heaven. It's, it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven. And then we're in the Greek hardly, it means it's, it's an extreme difficulty. It's almost as, as difficult as anything that you could ever imagine for a rich man to get into heaven. And that is shocking to the disciples. Because they thought that if anybody could get into heaven, it was that man. They thought it would be easy for that man to get into heaven. For them, to be rich was to be blessed. For them, if you were rich and healthy, God's gracious hand was upon you and he was blessing you. But if you were poor and sick, God was cursing you. That's how they view people in society. Rich and healthy, blessed. Poor and, and, and sickly, and you were cursed. That's how they divided everybody up. So if a rich man who was healthy was walking up to Jesus, they thought, surely that guy, if anybody's going to be saved and get into heaven, I bet he's already got one foot in there. That guy is rich, he's young, he's a ruler, he's religious, he's got everything. If anybody's going to heaven, it's that guy. It's easy for him to get into heaven. And he walks away, and Jesus says, not easy, but it's hard for that guy to get into heaven. Hard. We don't hear that today, do we? You don't have our pastor stand up and say, it's so hard to get into heaven. We stand up and we say, it's so easy to get into heaven. But Jesus says, hard. And it shocks them because, again, rich was blessed. Abraham was rich, and Job was rich, and David was rich, and Solomon was rich. Everybody that they ever looked up to and that was close to God was rich. So this guy was a, a blessed man. And this guy was the best man. And they saw him walking through town, and they thought, this guy is at the top of the spiritual ladder. I mean, if you're climbing your way up to God, we're down here at the bottom, and that guy was up at the top. He was at the top rung of the ladder. He was at the front of the line. He was rich and religious. So if you're thinking rich man here, as they look at him, think of it this way. He was a, the most blessed man and the best man in the world. That's who he was. Again, I, I think they're looking at this guy thinking he's the most likely to get into heaven. He's the most outstanding man in the world. He's the best of the best. He's the top-notch guy. There's nobody any better than him. And if anybody can get to heaven by their own works, and by their own morality, and their own religion, it has to be that guy. They thought it would be easy for him. And Jesus looks at him and says, no, it's hard for that guy to get to heaven. This guy had one foot in the door, they thought. Let me ask you this, just before I transition to the next part of this next verse. Who's the, the best man you know? Who's the most blessed man you know? Because in our mind, let me ask you this question, in our mind, who, when, when there's, there's people that we think, yeah, that guy's definitely going to heaven. If anybody's going to go, it's that guy. He's the most blessed, and he's the best man that I know. Or the most blessed woman, and the best woman that I know. And you look at him and say, I, I know that a lot of people ain't going to go to heaven, but if anybody's going to go, it's that one. Easy for that one. Who in your mind do you put on a pedestal and say, he's got one foot in the door? That's what this is. That's who this is. 
And Jesus looks at him and says, the most blessed man and the best man in the world. It's hard for him to get into heaven. <coughs> that totally blows their mind. So you ask this next question. How hard is it? Is it extremely difficult? Does, does it mean that if, if he works hard enough, he, he might be able to get in? He needs to work just a little bit harder, be a little bit better, be a little bit more moral, and, and go to church a little bit more, that he'll get in. Just work a little bit harder. And Jesus takes it not only to, it's hard to, no, 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 it's not just hard, it's hopeless. Watch this. Verse 23, he says, it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven. Verse 24, and again I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go to the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. He takes it to the point and he says, okay, it's not just hard, it's hopeless. He says, and this is Jesus being a master teacher, he grabs their attention with an illustration. And I, I think this is great. As, as I'm preaching through this, I read verse 23, and I, and I, I appreciate you guys. And you're like, okay, okay, okay. But then you get to this point here where he gives you an illustration and a story and a picture in your mind where you can see these things to show you just how hard it is for this man to get into heaven. So he gives them a picture, an illustration that even our, our kids can understand. I got a coloring sheet out there in the back of the room just for our kids as they're sitting here. And they can look at it and they can see that illustration. Because on that illustration, there's a needle. All on the coloring sheet today is, is a needle. I think some adults might want a coloring sheet too. Just a needle and a camel. And what Jesus is doing is he's taking the biggest animal that they knew of in that time. The biggest animal. They didn't have elephants in, in the desert. They had camels. The camels were the biggest animal that they could think of. So you had camels, the, the biggest, and then they took the smallest opening that they could think of. They, they didn't want to think of a door or, or a big old gate. What's the smallest entrance or the smallest uh, hole that we could think of? So they thought, a needle has a small little hole at the top of the thread to go through. You ever try to thread a needle? I was in home at many, many years ago. My home ec teacher was sitting there trying to teach us how to sew. Can you imagine the preacher trying to learn how to sew? He handed us a needle and a thread. And I sit there over and over and over. You'd, you'd lift that thing, you'd twist that thing, it just wouldn't go through there. A thread couldn't go through that thing. I have a needle. Here's the thing. I finally got it. I had to ask someone to help me. But Jesus is saying it's easier for a big, the biggest animal we know to go through the smallest entrance we know than for that man to get into heaven. What's the chances of a camel? Look at your kids' coloring page. Big camel, small needle. What are the chances? If we work hard enough, we try, we can bring a camel in here today, we can stuff that thing through the eye of a needle. You say, there's no chance. There's no hope. It's not going to happen. There's no way. You look at me and call me foolish. It's impossible for that animal to get through that needle. There's no way. So Jesus now doesn't just say, it's hard to get into heaven. Jesus says, it's hopeless to get into heaven. There's no chance to get into heaven. It, it's not going to happen. There's absolutely no way. Zero percent chance that that camel is getting through that needle. It's not just hard. It's hopeless. I call these subpoints the hardness of salvation and the hopelessness of salvation. It's hopeless. 
No matter how hard you try, you're not getting a camel through the eye of an eagle. No matter how hard you try, you're not saving yourself. Salvation of ourselves is absolutely impossible. It'd be easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle than for any of us in this room to save ourselves. That's what he's teaching here. The absolute best that humanity had to offer can't save himself. That's what this is saying. It's hopeless for somebody like him to save himself. And I don't think I'm in, you're saying, Josh, you're making salvation, salvation sound impossible. That's the point. Because look what the disciples say. So Jesus says in verse 23, it's hard. It's hard to get into heaven. Verse 24, when he illustrates it, he says it's hopeless to get into heaven. Verse 25, the disciples say, I think they throw up their hands. He said, it's helpless. There's nothing we can do. Look what it says. When the disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed. My mom wants to say, I never heard so. <laughs> never heard nothing like that before. They never heard anybody say that. They always heard that they could do it. They always heard nothing is impossible. They always heard all you have to do is keep the law. All the everything they heard, all you have to do is go to religious services. All you have to do, to do is be moral. All you have to do is keep this and do that. All you have to do, all you have to do, all you have to do. And Jesus with them says, There's nothing you can do. It's impossible for you to do that. And they look at him and they're amazed. They're stunned. Did he really just say that? That the best humanity has to offer. Can't save himself. It's unbelievable. So they look at him and they say, I love this question. Well, then who can be saved? That's the question. Here's how it goes. If he can't be saved, then who can? An old cheer. Josh, Josh, he's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. <laughs> You've heard me say that before because it just rings in my ears all the time. <laughs> and that cheer meant, and I want to interpret that old cheer, that we will send our best man now. And if our best man can't do it, then we don't have any other hope. A cheer for the football team. You send out your, your greatest football player, your biggest, your strongest, your fastest. You put him out on the field, and if he can't do it, then they, nobody here can do it. On the basketball court, you put your, your biggest and your tallest and your most athletic. You, you put that guy out there so that when he walks out there, everybody's intimidated. He's going to dunk all over him. You put him out there, and if he can't win it, nobody can. We have nobody else. And that's what they're saying here. We put rich man, young man, ruling man, religious man, the best that humanity has to offer. And if he can't do it, nobody can. That's what they're saying here. Well, then who can be saved? Can anybody be saved? We can't do it. And that's exactly, exactly where Jesus wants them. Yeah. You don't hear this getting preached much, do you? I know you guys are sitting there thinking, wow, this is... This is just hard. No, 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 it's not hard. It's hopeless. No, 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 it's not hopeless. Now it's helpless. Yeah. 
There's nothing we can do. Then who can be? And that's exactly what Jesus wants them to say. It's exactly where he wants them to be. I think he wants us all to be there. Churches today, I'm going to be very nice about this, try to give everybody something to do. Yeah. You can do it. You can do it. I hear preachers all the time get up and it's full of morality. When I say morality, I mean just be good enough and God will accept you. More religious. You'll just pray more. I hear preachers say that all the time. Well, we need to. You gotta, you gotta pray more. You don't pray enough. None of us pray enough. Yeah. You gotta read your Bible more. None of us read your Bible enough. You gotta go to church more. Be it Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Then you might get into heaven. Just do, 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 do more. And you know what churches are trying to make people do? They're trying to stuff a camel through the eye of the needle. Because you can't do. Everybody wants a do. Give me something to do to get right with God. Give me something to do. And Jesus says, there's nothing you can do. He wants them exactly where they are, throwing their arms in frustration. What are we going to do then? How are we going to get into heaven? How are we going to get saved? He just backed the whole world into a corner where we all must admit it's impossible for any of us to save ourselves. That's where he wants us all to be. And I knew that point would be a, a dud. As I'm preparing this, I'm thinking, I don't think I'll see too many smiles on the face of that. I think it'll be quiet in the church. I said that to myself. This will be quiet. There's not going to be a whole lot of amens. There's not going to be a whole lot of people sitting there thinking, I think we'll all be, wow, I've never heard of something, something like that before. That salvation, hard, hopeless, and helpless. Can we say that again? I planned that. I want to say it one more time. It's the hardness of salvation, the hopelessness of salvation, and the helplessness of salvation. That it's impossible for any of us to save ourselves. And if I stop the sermon right there, we'd be all miserable. Yeah. But Jesus doesn't stop right there, does he? Man. He looks at them and he says, Well, they said, Who can be saved? And he moves on to point number two. We go from the impossibility of salvation to the only possibility. There's only one that can do. Watch this. Jesus looks at them and says, and he beheld them. He saw the shock on their face. He heard their question, well, who could be saved? He's looking at his 12 disciples and they're sitting there thinking, well, well none of us can be saved then. If that guy can, I, mean, I want you to think about this, because the Bible gives us all kinds of examples of this. You have the rich young ruler, He's the top of the ladder. And then you have Nicodemus in John chapter 3. As he comes to Jesus, he's at the top of the ladder. And then you have Paul, and I think he was at the top of the top of the ladder. And, and all those guys thought they could do it themselves. And Jesus looks at them, and they're sitting there in, in shock. And Jesus heard their question, and he doesn't back off. He doesn't sit there and say, because sometimes when I'm preaching, I look at some of your faces, and I think, maybe I'm being too hard. Maybe I have to back it off a little bit. Jesus doesn't back it off. He doubles down on it here. He could have looked at him and said, okay, okay, the poor can be saved. Or, or you know, if you just follow me, you can be saved. Or give him something to do here to be saved. He doesn't do that. He said, clear the bell. Look what he says. With men, it is 
There's some religions that teach you you've got to be 51% good and you can be 49% bad. And when you die, as long as that weight is, is, is on the side of being good, you get into heaven. Ain't none of us going to do that because it's not about 51, 49, it's about 100%, 0%. You're going to be 100% perfect if you ain't getting into heaven on your own. Yeah. Can't be perfect. Can't be perfect. It's impossible. What's this? It's impossible for us to turn over a new leaf. How many times have we tried to do that? We're coming up on January 1st. Everybody's going to have New Year's resolutions. I'm going to do better. I'm going to be better. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm not going to gossip anymore. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. And then two days later, we all, we all broke up and sing one of them. Why can't we do it? It's impossible. It's impossible. I'll give you another one. It's impossible for us to repent of our sins and to, and to turn from them on our own. Impossible. It's impossible for me to, to change my own heart. I thought about the back to the day that I was saved. And, and the day that I walked into the church, the First Baptist Church in Pound, Virginia, Pound Bottom. I almost gave you the address and phone number. <laughs> February 15, 2004, I walked into that church and I loved, I loved me some sin. I did. Man, why? You knew me then? Completely different man. Did I do that myself? Walk into a church door, loving sin, loving myself, wanting to live for myself. The the I was the, the the Lord of my own house, the King of my own castle. I did what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, when I wanted to do it, and when nobody tells me any different. I was like Frank Snot. I did it my way. That's how I walked in. And then I walked out, and I was submitted to the lordship of Christ. Man, and I was—I I was a, a, the Bible would call it a, a doulos. I was a slave to Christ, and I would do whatever He says, how He says it, when He says it. I wasn't the king of the castle anymore. It, Jesus was the king of my castle. He was the Lord of my my life. He had ruling power over me. What happened? Did I say I turned over a new leaf? I repented of my sins. Ah, ah, ah. When I walk out and say my heart was completely changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. He did what I couldn't do. Yeah, you better believe it. We can't do those things any more than a leper can change his spots. Is there any way a leper could get up one morning and say, I don't want to have spots anymore. I don't want to have stripes on his zebra. I think I'll change it. The Bible says in Jeremiah that is impossible to happen. And just like that's impossible, it's impossible for any of us to change our ways aside from God. A dead man can't rise on his own. You couldn't ask a baby to come walk up. Imagine, I, I've got a one-month-old little baby girl. Imagine if I put her down and said, walk. Just follow. I mean, she can't hold her head up. I mean, she, she's a bobblehead right now. Just bobble all over the place. Can you ask her to do something like walk? Walk to your mom. Boom. Walk to your mom. Boom. You sit there and say, Josh, that's impossible. She's just a little baby. You're asking her to do something she can't do. Exactly what this is. Yeah. It's entirely, you got to like this. I like words. It's entirely, totally, completely, absolutely, and wholly impossible. For us to save ourselves. You say, Josh, you're not giving us any good news at all. Look at this. Jesus said, with me, this is impossible. 
And again, I'll say, what are we stopping right there? Aren't you glad you don't? Yeah. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorite old preachers, said, thank God to the butts of the Bible. Ephesians 2, but God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith he loved us. So right here, Jesus says, what is with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's a great, great ending to this sermon. With God, all things pertaining to salvation are possible. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about, people will use this verse, just like they'll use, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The all things is that I can suffer through life's uh, trials and tribulations. That, that's what he's talking about. And here, he's not talking about, I can do all things, and then I can go out there, and with God, I can go out there and dunk a basketball. I ain't dunk a basketball. With God, I can go out there, and I, I can get that job, and I can, I can marry that girl, and I can have those kids. With God, I can go, and I can do. No, this is talking about, with God, pertaining to salvation, pertaining to eternal life, and entering into the kingdom, with God, all things are possible. That's great. With God, salvation is possible. God can make blind eyes see the truth. Amen. God can make deaf ears hear the truth. You ever, you, ever, you ever, I do it all the time as I preach and I get up here and I, I, I'm preaching and I look out and I think, it's like nobody's listening. It's like nobody sees what I see. And that's when you stop and pray, God, only you can open blind eyes. Yeah. And only you can open deaf ears. God, let them hear. And I don't want them to just hear my voice. I want them to hear the word of God. And may it pierce their heart and their hearts. May it get into their closed hearts. God, only you can do it. Those pews, what I can't do. And sometimes you've got to stop, even in your own mind, and you've got to start praying. God, hey, they're not listening right now. They're not getting it right now. They're hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth, but they're not getting the truth that's coming out of the Scriptures. And only God, because I, I can do that. I, I, I want you to get that. It's possible for me to speak truths and you hear truths. But it's impossible for me to speak spiritual truths and for you to hear spiritual truths. Yeah. Without God supernaturally opening your ears and opening your eyes to hear them distinctly. And sometimes you'll see in people the light that comes on. And they say, I see that. Wow. They are exceedingly amazed by it. God can do that. I can't open blind eyes. Spiritually blind eyes. You'll be talking to somebody and trying to share the gospel with them. And sometimes it's like beating your head up against a brick wall. I'm not getting anywhere. And everything I say to them is just coming right back at me. And sometimes you just have to stop and say, I can't get through to them. Only God can get through to them. With God, all this is possible. Only you can get through to that. Only you can open their eyes. Only you can open their ears. Only you can, can change their heart. Only you, God, can do that. And he can. Man. Only God can make paralyzed wheels respond to truth. Only God can change our spots. Only God can change our disposition and our character. Only God can change our loves. Only God can do this mighty, 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 mighty work. Yeah. This is one thing that only God can do. 
He said, Josh, I can sneeze with my eyes open. I've tried while you're preaching. Fine by me. He said, Josh, I can tickle myself. I just did it. Fine by me. He said, Josh, I can kiss a girl that's leaning away from you. Don't try it. He said, Josh, there's a lot that I can do, but there's one thing that none of us here can do that only God can do, and that's save our souls. Yeah, amen. That's what he's saying here. It's, it's a miracle. The salvation of anyone, whether he be rich or whether he be poor, is a miracle of God. Yeah. That's the right. salvation of anyone, whether he be the best that the world has to offer or the worst that the world has to offer, is a supernatural work of God. Yeah. The lowest on the on the on the ladder compared to the highest on the ladder. All of them needs a miracle of God. Yeah. Get this. The most religious person in this room needed a miracle to save their soul as much, if not more so, than the worst atheist in the world. Yeah. We don't think about that that way. I think it takes more grace and more power to save a self-righteous religious person than it does the worst person in the world. Because they think I can be saved when they make it. But it takes just as much supernatural power of God to save us who think we're up here as it does those who are down here. Yeah. And there's one other place that these exact words are said. This is how much of a miracle it is. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, the same exact words, with God all things are possible. Luke chapter 2, when Mary is found to be with child without ever being with a man. And everybody hears it and says, that's impossible. She had to have a man. And it said, with God, all things are possible. So when he compares this, I'll say it this way. It's, he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for us to get saved. Luke 2 would say, it's easier for a virgin to have a baby than for us to save ourselves. The salvation of anyone, whether it be a religious man or a non-religious man, is a remarkable act of the grace of Almighty God. Whether it's a prison guard in Acts 16, which would be the worst and lowest form of life, or a thief on the cross beside Jesus, the lowest form of life. Or Paul in Acts chapter 9, when he, and I, I'm going to read that to you. I've got a few minutes. You, you guys thought I was going to go Philippians chapter 3. Watch this. And I, I want you to see this. Because Paul, and I, I might have taken John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. Because he, he comes to Jesus and asks the same thing. What, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, this will take a miracle to save you, buddy. That's what he said. He says it's one of the greatest men in all, all that time. It's going to take a miracle. It's going to be a miracle like having a baby. It's comparable to an earthly birth and, and a supernatural spiritual birth. It's going to take a, a new birth for you to get saved, buddy. It's going to take a, a miracle of, of, of the highest of, of orders for you to get saved. Look at, look at Paul. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. He says, for we are the circumcision which worship God 
in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have absolutely zero confidence in our flesh. You see that? He's saying, I couldn't do this on my own at all. I love that. I have no confidence in myself. Verse 4, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anybody, look at it, I love, I love it, I love preaching this passage. If any other man thinketh that he had whereof he might trust in the flesh, and that flesh is his own works, his own power, his own morality, his own religion. He says, if anybody was going to get to heaven on their own merits, it was me. If anybody was going to trust in their, their flesh and their works, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he had whereof he might trust in the flesh, I'm more. Flesh again, and I wrote that in the side margin of my notes here on my passage. Flesh equals human ability. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. After touching the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Touching the righteousness, which is of the law, I was blameless. You see that? That's his resume. That's just, nobody has a resume like Paul. He'll go on to say in 2 Timothy, maybe 1 Timothy, I was the chief of all sinners. I wasn't at the top of the ladder. I was at the bottom of the ladder. I wasn't the best of the best and the most blessed in all the earth. I was the worst of the worst. Do you get that? He says, verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Day doubtless, and I count all things but lost. The excellency and the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them now but dumb, that I may have Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. You see that? I thought I could get there, but I couldn't. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What a passion. Because I couldn't get there on my own. The best of the best couldn't get there. <coughs> So whether it be a thief on the cross or a prison guard in Acts 16 or Paul, it takes a miracle to say. Whether it be a tax collector, I like this one, a tax collector in Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 18, they he who was supposed to be the lowest form of life, tax collector. Whether it be Nicodemus in John chapter 3, it takes a miracle to say. All saved is the exact same way. Yeah. By the gracious power of Almighty God. Yes. God did for Nicodemus, for Zacchaeus, for Paul, for a thief on the cross, for an old prison guard in Acts 16. He did what they couldn't do on their own. God did the impossible. Yes. As I turn to look around at you today, if you're saved today, I want to break it to you. I want to break it to you. You want to get this? If you're here today and you're saved, i got to break the news. It wasn't worth doing. Yeah. Bless God. It wasn't. It was a miracle of God that he saved you. He did what you couldn't do on your own. He did the impossible. Yeah. When he saved you. Yes, praise his name. He did the impossible when he saved me. And when you see it that way, I read a quote this week that said, we don't just need to sing amazing. We need to see it amazingly. Yeah. And when you see it that way, you'll see amazing grace just a little bit different. When you say, Behold, his wretched life. Yeah. I once was lost, but 
only by amazing grace that I'm saved. He did the impossible when he saved me. I stand up here today and look at you, and you look at me. I stand here as a miracle of Almighty God. The greatest miracle that God ever performs in the world is when he saves an old wretch like me. And we need to see it that way. And we need to praise him like it's that way. Yes. That he saved an old wretch like me. You say, no, Josh, I think raising the dead was the greatest miracle God ever performed. No. I think raising the spiritual dead is the greatest miracle yeah. God ever you say, no, Josh, I think, I think opening the, the physical blind eyes was the greatest miracle he ever performed. No, I think opening the spiritually blind eyes is the greatest miracle he ever performs. You think, Josh, I, I think it's opening the deaf ears. The physically deaf ears. I say, no, this is opening the spiritually deaf ears. I mean, I, just, I keep going back to it, but sitting in a pew my whole life, and my ears were deaf to it. It dead to it. I, I've heard more sermons than anybody in this church has ever heard. I went to Christian school. I had chapel twice a week. I heard it physically, but it wasn't until God opened my ears spiritually that I said, Oh my, I get it. Was that me or was that God? It wasn't me. It wasn't you. God did the impossible for us. Amen. We need to get that. We can't do it. Oh, God can What's impossible with man is possible only with God. Man, we're a trophy of his grace. All of us. You know, see it that way. So let me close. I hope we've done this a little bit earlier. If you're here today and you're saved, this is important. Understand that we can't save anybody else. Churches do their best to get people saved. <laughs> they, they, they do their best. Uh, they want to try to manipulate people. They want to try to work and, and do everything they can to, to get people saved. And all they're trying to do is stuff a camel through the eye of a needle. Yeah. And it's not going to happen. You say, well, Josh, what are we going to do? If we can, we're going to see that. We can't get anybody saved. That took so much pressure off of me when I finally realized that as a preacher that I can't get anybody saved. It's not my job to get you down the, down the aisle here today. That's not what I can do. It's outside my power. It's impossible for me to get anybody saved. It's impossible for me to get anybody online saved today. I mean, I, I can sit and I can work at my words and I can be poetic and I can have all these things lined out and my argument all lined up, but I can do all that and work so hard and have all my notes and look so good and have it all laid out and none of that will save anybody. None of it will. Yeah. I can't do that. But you know who can? Yeah. But as I preach the word, Romans 10 says that there's miracles that take place in the, in the heart of the people yes. as God's Spirit takes it to them. I preach it. God delivers it. We can't save anybody. But you know what we can do? We can pray. If only God can save, then I want to go to God and say, please, will you save? Yeah. Will you save yes. such and such? Think of the hardest, worst, unbeliever that you know. I'll give you a second. You say, think, think about it. I, I, I thought about this last night. Think of the hardest, the worst unbeliever that you know. Somebody in your own life. That you look at them and say, hey, no way they'll ever get saved. They'll never step foot in the church. It'll never happen. Just, just think about it with me for a second. Who is it in your life? 
There's no way. No chance. Now, as you get that person in your mind, say this. God with you, all things are possible. Yes. Now, will you save whoever that is? You with me? Oh, what a prayer that would be if we all believe that. Yeah. If we all believe that. God, this person is the hardest unbeliever that I know. The worst. I never would ever see. There's nothing I can do to reach him or her. But God, your word here says that all things are possible with you. So will you please save fill in the blank? It could be your wayward child. My wayward child, I don't know what it's going to take. Save him or save her. It's impossible. I've tried everything that I could try. And nothing is working. Oh, God, you say everything is possible with you. Will you save my wayward child? He can. It could be your unbelieving parent that's just so hardened to it that you think there's no way they'll ever accept Christ. God, you say that all things are possible with you. Will you save my unbelieving parent? I'll give you another one. My alcoholic neighbor. I don't know if anybody has an alcoholic neighbor. I'm just, I'm just listening to some, some people. This guy over here, of course, God, I know. God, you say all things are possible with you. Will you save my alcoholic neighbor? I've got another one that hits this area perfectly. But you see everybody walking around and, and you say, God, it's impossible for us to reach the drug addicts in Wise County. Their mind isn't there. Their, their heart isn't right. They're not thinking like they ought to think. It's impossible. But God, you say all things are possible. And I believe that you can't save this one who's addicted to drugs. Yeah. I believe you can do that. I can't. We can't, but you can. If you can save an old wretch like me, you can save an old drug addict like him. Yeah. You can say no, I'm father like that. You can say a wayward child. You can say that I'm a living parent. Whoever it is, fill in that blank and say, I believe that God, you can do it. You can do all things. And you can save whoever that is. Yeah. Yeah. Then start asking God to do the impossible. Don't we? Yes. Goodness gracious, why don't we do that? If God's the only one that can do it, then why are we on our knees saying, God, do the impossible? I'll even take it from an individual standpoint and say, as a nation, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible for our nation to turn around on its own. You say, oh, I think, I think Donald Trump can do it. I think Joe Biden can do it. It's impossible. Well, God, I don't believe you can turn a nation around. Yeah. Why are churches on their knees instead of in their voting booths? God, it's only possible with you. But you can save this one, you can heal this land. We need to start asking God to do the impossible. And I think we should start today asking God to do the impossible. As I close in just a second, I want you to bow your heads and ask God to do the impossible. If He can do the impossible, why aren't we asking Him to do the impossible? Lastly, if you're here today, I'll say, I believe God can perform a miracle today. Yes. I believe He can do the impossible right now. Yep. You say, Josh, I want a good enough sermon to save anybody. I don't say, it's impossible with me. My word can't save nobody. It's His word, it's in His spirit, in His power. Yes. I believe He can do it today. 
You say, Josh, give me something to do, and I'll do it. I need to be saved today. Give me something to do. There's nothing you can do. You say, you're just going to leave me sitting here in my pew saying, no, I'm frustrated. There's nothing I can do. No, I think this is what you got to do. I think this is true saving faith. And when you get to the point where you say, there's nothing I can do, only you can do it. Yeah. That's saving faith. That's saving faith. There's, when you can go to God and say, there's nothing I can do. My only hope is with you. There's nothing I can do. My only hope is with you. And you can say that today. Sitting in your pew, I believe he will do the impossible. Man. There's nothing I can do. I'm leaving it up to you. Only you can save me. Only you can change me. Only you can work in my heart. It's all on you. That's saving faith. Yeah. That's saving faith. It's not what you do. It's who you trust to do it for you. Yeah. I, I like that. Amen. It starts with knowing I can't and that God can. Yeah. I can't. God can't. That's saving faith. And if you do that today, I believe God will do the impossible and save you. I'll close with a, with a quote from John Calvin, preacher of the 1500s, reformer. He said this. After I, after I give you this quote, I'm going to ask Scott to play a song and we're going to give him an altar call. And in that moment, I want you in the pews as Christians to pray for God to do the impossible. And I want you that are unbelievers here today, there might be someone unbelieving in here. Our mic just went out. Way too loud. And there might be somebody unbelieving on that, on that Facebook live who's sitting there and we need to pray for them. Do you understand that, church? But there could be somebody sitting in here today. And when we get an altar call, we, we have an invitation time, there's music that plays, and this chance is given for one to two minutes. And then, then, then we, we cut it off. But you don't need to just sit there and say, okay, Little Mexico or, or Wendy's or Harvey's or KFC, let's get a bucket of chicken. Yeah, I think people do that. I think when an invitation is given, that, that we ought to be sitting there saying, God, there might be somebody in here whose eternity is on the line. Yeah. And, we, and God, we ask you to do the impossible. The Word of God is preached. May you, by your spirit, with your power, move in that person's heart and save them where they sit. Wow. Ask God to do the impossible. Yeah. And if you're doing your loss, I ask you to see that you can, but God can. Here's a quote from close. Faith is an empty, open hand, stretched out towards God with nothing to offer and everything to receive. That's saving faith. Yeah. Hand stretched out to God with nothing in it, offering God nothing, and saying, I can if you can. Father, we thank you for showing us these truths today. As a rich young ruler, as, as an example to all of us, that we can if you can. That, that, that's as, as simple as it gets. We can if you can. And I thank you personally for doing the impossible in my life. For doing the impossible in so many lives across this room. But you performed a miracle when you saved us. And God, I know it's going to take a miracle to save unbelievers here today. Whether it be in, in the pews or online, it's going to take a miracle. So God, we preached your word today, and I pray that by your spirit that you would do the impossible. And that you would change hard hearts. 
that you would open blind eyes, that you would open dead ears, and that you would show people today, unbelievers today, that they can't, but you can. And they would put their full faith and their trust in you today. We ask you today to do the impossible. Not just during this time, but as we leave to go out into the world, we're going to face unbelievers, hardened unbelievers. Lord, help us to go out and reach these people, trust them that you can do the impossible. Lord, bless this invitation time as we just play a song for a few minutes. Lord, you know we're not trying to manipulate anybody. We are trying to give everybody a chance to make a profession today of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. May you work during this time as you do as we only you can do. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the music place.